1: It's Monday. It's September 2nd. And the word of the day is apricity, which means the warmth of the sun felt in winter. Used in a sentence, the word of the day doesn't always have to be some kind of humorous snippet. Sometimes you just want to make people aware of awesome words like apricity, Heath.
0: Yeah, that'll teach him to have a birthday.
1: Right? I'm no (laughs) illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. And broadcasting delayed from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats.
0: On this week's episode, Michael Marshall will be here to explain whether or not it's pronounced Brexit or Apocalypse. (laughs) We'll call the kettle black. And we'll wonder what the hell America will
1: do to top it. But first, the rest of the intro music. Long ago, an intrepid lagomorph by the name of Bugs Bunny climbed out on the limb of a tree and started sawing at the very branch that was supporting him. Many looked on in horror as they realized the calamity that was about to befall him, but Bugs went on undeterred. Moments later, when the saw made its final pass, the tree itself came crashing down and the limb remained suspended in the air. Despite all the dire warnings to the contrary bugs was just fine and now more than 80 years later the united kingdom is trying to recreate that same feat that's right except instead of a tree it's europe it's a little bit bigger but yeah yeah that's that's what i was going for yeah now obviously we're experts on british politics even less than we're experts on american politics but luckily we've had a reporter embedded in england since birth Michael Marshall is an award-winning skeptical activist, a journalist, a podcaster, a blogger, an author. He's the project director of the Good Thinking Society, the co-founder of the Merseyside Skeptic Society, the co-host of Skeptics with a K, the host of Be Reasonable, and the only person on this call with his own Wikipedia page.
0: Oh, does it count if you're on Jeffrey Epstein's page? That like- does not count. No, no. Or your mom's. Marsh, <laughs> welcome
1: back to the Skeptocrat, <laughs> sir. Uh, thank you so much for having me, guys. I uh, I wish I didn't have
2: to be here talking about this. It's always great to be talking to you, but oh god, I wish I didn't have to be talking about this.
1: Yeah, okay. So I've been obviously I've been like most Americans try well <laughs> like most informed Americans trying to follow this and having increasing troubles as we get closer and closer to that October thirty first deadline. Um, so obviously, like a lot of our listeners, I have a ton of questions. Let's start off with the obvious one. What what the fuck does prorogation prorog is I, mean, I don't even know if I'm saying that. What does
2: that mean? So yeah, Parliament in the UK has been prorogued, and I can understand that you might not know what that means. Um, you know, you may be you and your listeners might not be fami- too familiar with how the UK government actually works. But if that's the case, congratulations, you're in exactly the same boat as every single fucking person in Britain right now. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> One of the worst and most infuriating and depressing things about Brexit is we have to actually learn stuff about how our country's meant to work. Nobody voted for having to learn stuff here. The government doesn't have a mandate for us to have to learn this. It's just awful. But no, we've got to know what proroguing is now. And it means to suspend Parliament, Okay, So our leaders and political parties, they can no longer debate. They can't sit. They can't pass laws. They can't govern the country. And you might think... That's a great idea. You know, anything that keeps this... <laughs> if you've been watching the Tory government from afar, you might be thinking anything that keeps this utterly malevolent <laughs> government away from making laws has got to be worth a shot. You know, it's the same way that when Trump's on a golf course, he isn't making laws that put babies yeah, right. in cages. No, yeah, right. You no, know? exactly. I get it. The problem is, as you mentioned, we've got something kind of big going on in the UK right now, and we've got a ticking clock, and that clock is not going to stop just because Parliament can't sit down and chat to each other. So this is why it's a bit of an issue for us.
0: All right, well, now I have, like, 25 pages of Star Trek notes to delete. Thanks, March. I, <laughs> I thought it was pronounced Porg. Okay, so for, uh, th- for those of us who live outside of a
1: parliamentary system, when you say, like, suspends parliament, that conjures the image of the guy who celebrates m- m- fucking political victories by firing a gun in the air. Is it, like, Is there a non-evil reason why something like this is done? So yes basically suspension of parliament is normal. You know there's normally
2: it, it happens quite regularly. Um so for example whenever we change government there's a slight suspension of parliament ahead of the Queen's speech where the Queen announces what the, that government's uh, legislative agenda is going to be. So there's a, a short prorogation uh, there. Uh, and we also suspend parliament um every year for conference season. So it's around about this time of the year that the the major parties go off and they have their annual conferences. And these are political conferences. Um so they're they're kind of a lot like Atheist conferences and atheist conference season, except they're whiter, more male, and with even more chance that the person on stage is a sexual predator. But other than that, <laughs> they're basically the same. <laughs> So we're going to have the the, the, the conference soon. So Labour, Labour going to go off and have their uh, party conference where they'll meet to democratically agree which policy they aren't going to bother enacting. Uh, that's what they'll be doing at their conference. Uh, and then the Tories are going to have their conference soon in Manchester and they, they meet every year in their annual attempt to summon back the twisted soul of Margaret Thatcher from hell. It's just standard <laughs> UK politics.
1: All right, so then it, is this a normal thing? I, what makes this one so different? Is it just because the we're so close up against Brexit? Pretty much, pretty much. So normally when Parliament gets suspended, it's not normally
2: for this long. So in recent years, we've had uh, a a four-day suspension or even a two-week suspension, but this time it's going to be suspended for five weeks. So basically all of September and most of October, when we have the October 31st uh, deadline for Brexit. We've got nine weeks to deliver Brexit, and for five weeks of that, we're going to have our Parliament uh, suspended. Uh, And this is a major issue because it's, it's in the law books. It's by law we leave the EU on the 31st of October. So if nothing else Happens a- according to the law as it currently stands, we leave whether we have a deal or not. And even that is ridiculous because we leave on fucking Halloween. You know, if that happened yeah. in a TV show, you'd say that's a bit on the nose, bit too on the nose this time around. But we're leaving on Halloween, it's just insane. And you know, listeners might think, is it that bad to leave without a deal? You know, your deals get made all the time, trade ag- agreements get made all the time. Is it that bad a thing? And that's definitely the line that the right-wing press in the UK is really trying to push to the public. And with some success, you see people saying, well, let if we can't get a deal with the EU, we'll just leave without a deal, and that's fine. But they don't take into account that the EU makes up the vast majority of our trade income. Most of our goods supply comes from the EU. Most of our day-to-day life is kind of, in some way or another, entwined with EU regulations, EU laws, and sort of the fact that we are part of a continent. So it's it's kind of like... The best analogy, or one of the best analogies, is you've, you've agreed that you're going to move out of your parents' home on a certain date, and you've got that in the calendar. And then you've wasted your time, and you haven't bothered finding somewhere new to live. And as we get <laughs> closer to that, dead, you find out there's a snowstorm on the horizon, and your manager's fired you from your job, and you've broken your leg. And you could just decide to push the date back, or you could decide to just carry on living with your parents. It's fine. But you decided, no, I'm moving out on that date, and that's it, even though you've got nowhere else to live. And then you use your impending homelessness as a threat to your parents into giving you a new house for free. And then you say, and when your parents refuse to give you a new house for free, you paint them like they're the bad guys. That's what we are doing right now. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's catastrophically stupid.
0: Okay, and, we know wow. that guy who does that in real life, just so you know. He's, he's a listener, and you've heard his Yeah, no, if, if
1: anybody knows catastrophically
0: <laughs> stupid, it's going to be your American
2: friends. But, like, this, this is so catastro- catastrophically stupid, right? But... Almost, pretty much all of Parliament recognizes that we 've had in the last couple of months in, the, in, in, in earlier this year we 've had uh votes that are meant to sort of show which, to indicate what MPs want out of this, what kind of Brexit should we go for what, bit, what things are we looking for and in that vote, in those systems of votes, we brought in the idea of a no-deal Brexit and it has been comprehensively and consistently voted against, but Boris would rather leave with the chaos of no-deal than to have the time he's got in the spotlight taken up by Brexit and that's why he suspended Parliament for five of the nine weeks that we have le- we have left and we only have like four weeks in, in which to sort of do anything about stopping a no-deal, basically what Boris has done. Wow. It's a bit like shutting down QED because you want to be sceptic of the year for an extra year. That's what <laughs> Boris is doing here. You can't take it off him if he isn't going to let you have the conversation. That's what he's done.
1: All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I feel like that's a good suspenseful spot to pause on here. And since we're already talking about being fucking doomed, it's a great time to pause for a word from our first sponsor this week, Policy Genius. Marsh. Marsh. Hey, fellas, how are you going? I'm doing fine, man. How you going?
2: Uh, Yeah, not bad. You know, a bit of a cold, but other than that, uh, Oh,
0: damn. Here
1: we go. Okay, Eli, have you set up the GoFundMe? Yes. How are the
0: bank loans coming? Slow. Looks like I'm going to get 20K max. Damn it, that's not enough. We're going to need a gala. Bacon-wrapped shrimp? No. Shrimp-wrapped bacon. Smart, smart. Guys, what are you doing? Uh, Marsh, we're raising money for your funeral.
1: Yeah, Marsh, time's a waste and no, no time for questions. Right, okay,
2: but, like, one, uh, I just have the flu. Okay, yeah, so, so Jim
0: Henson. Right,
1: but
2: two, I mean, I used PolicyGenius.com.
0: What's PolicyGenius.com? Oh,
2: PolicyGenius.com. It's uh, it's the easy way to shop online for life insurance. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price – once you apply, the Policy Genius team, they'll, they handle all the paperwork, all the red tape. And uh, Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. Wow, that, that does sound easy. Right. I mean, if, if you need life insurance, but you just haven't gotten around to it yet, National Life Insurance Awareness Month is as good a time as any to get started. So go to policygenius.com, get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Policy genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Cool.
0: So we still throw the gala, right? Yeah, just, just to be safe. It's just a cold. Yeah, and now Kermit sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And we're back. Uh, When we left off, Marsh was explaining how we're all doomed. Well, he's all doomed anyway. Um, Now, before we go any further, I think we want to talk a little bit more about the villain in this story Democracy. Close. (laughs) (laughs) Democracy is very much the victim here, (laughs) Eli. Yeah. Well, sometimes you can be both the perpetrator and the victim. But yeah, okay. So after the Brexit vote, David Cameron resigns and you replace him with somebody even worse. Uh, She can't get the Brexit deal done. Theresa May resigns, and you replace her with someone worse. If Boris Johnson resigns,
0: where will you find someone worse? (laughs) Oh, I know this one. Time machine, right? You get, and then you find, like, Stalin... (laughs) Yeah. No, okay, but but
1: seriously, like, okay, I get it in a baseball game, right? Like, you get towards the end of the game, the your your relief pitcher's already tired, your starting pitcher's tired, you're just reaching to the bullpen, you're in the 14th fucking inning, and you just got to get like the worst goddamn pitcher that you still th- like. It makes sense then. Why the fuck are you guys doing that with your government though? Well, this is, this is the thing, unfortunately.
2: This is the real problem, you know. You say, where will we find someone worse? Well, we've got in government right now, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Marc Francois, Nadine Dorries, Esther McVeigh. If you want to find someone willing to be worse than Boris, if it means they get to sit in the big chair, You could basically throw a spear into the crowd at the Tory party conference and you'll (laughs) you'll hit someone willing to do it. The only real tragedy here is that nobody's going to throw a spear into the crowd at the Tory party conference. (laughs) That's the problem that we have. You know, We have an inexhaustible supply of upper class, arrogant, malevolent assholes in this country. The production line of mediocre, entitled right wing hypocrites is the one industry in the UK that is thriving right now. If we could harness that, our economy would be fine post-Brexit. Um, it's, a, it's a big problem we have in this country. You know, we have a Tory party currently in uh, in charge of the country, and they are absolutely fucking terrified of losing votes to Nigel Farage's Brexit party. And not one of them has the guts and the honesty to stand up to what's going on and put their country before their party. You know, they are, by almost by definition, they care about keeping the Tory party together and in power, regardless of what it's going to do to the country. You look at the Tory leadership race, you know, how Boris ended up being the prime minister after 90,000 people who were paid up members of the Tory party voted for him. You know, the the country haven't voted for Boris Johnson. He was an MP and he's been elevated to the top seat by members of his party and not by the wider country. But. He was, there were, there were other people in that race and there were people like Sajid Javid, uh, who was Home Secretary and as Home Secretary set immigration policies that his own parents would have been turned away at the border by those policies. But as a hypocrite, you can be in charge in the Tory party. You have people like Matt Hancock, Amber Rudd, they were all going for the top job. And during the leadership race, they all came out and said to suspend Parliament in order to push through Brexit would be a catastrophe and an affront to democracy. And now Boris has done just that, and they're in his cabinet. They've all said, absolutely fuck all, because they're spineless opportunists. And that's one of the problems we have in the UK right now.
1: Wow. All right, so I I hate to, because I know this is a bit of a diversion, and it doesn't really matter. We're going to get back to the, the main sort of like Brexit talk here, but somehow or another... England's swan wrangler-in-chief, Elizabeth II, was apparently roped into this. Um, And I've been trying my damnedest to understand what the hell that was all about. So can you tell us how that happened? Basically,
2: because we are a nation that is fundamentally a cartoon, Noah. That is a a big part of it. (laughs) We still have a queen, and technically she still has to sign off on stuff. Um, the the real reason she got pulled in is because basically we left it way too long to behead the royal family. You know, the Russians <laughs> left it late and it feels fairly recent and raw. France, if you ask me, they nailed it. They got it just right. <laughs> 18th century, long enough ago to feel pre-modern and therefore not something we need to worry about yeah, too much, right, but right. recent <laughs> enough for it to stick. That's, that's the sweet spot. And we missed our chance. And now because we kept the royals, the Queen has to sign off on governments and suspensions of governments. She has to announce legislation during her speech when Parliament gets reopened and the best that she can do is to essentially throw shid when she's doing it. You know, when the, when she had to announce that uh, that the UK was leaving the EU, that it was the, the, the policy of her government that to now enact the will of the people and then leave the EU, she said it, but she said it in a slightly grumpy voice, and she paused <laughs> while she said it, which is just as good as having real power. It's just as good. <laughs> yeah, no, it um, really
0: is. Y- y- Rule put- by passive aggression. I like it. Yeah, it, it totally yeah, no, is. Exactly. And
2: because she has to technically sign off on it, you had some people who were saying, well, Boris can got the Queen and say we're going to suspend parliament and the queen can just refuse she can take control and she can just refuse to prorogue parliament but that was never ever going to happen you know it's it's the equivalent of when it's like hoping you know when trump goes to sign his next executive order which is going to be to you know ban muslim people from owning dogs or classify trans people as figments of our imagination or whatever it is it's like hoping that his pen runs out of ink and so the law doesn't come into effect that's the amount
1: <laughs> of kind of hope that we had all right so this, uh, as a nation that you know, voted for Donald Trump. I know I can't say much, but just... You just take a quick look at Boris Johnson. You're like, oh, that's an insane person that's going to have a story and ask me for money. Who the fuck is this guy? What the fuck is up with him? So so this is the thing about Boris Johnson. People compare him to Trump. And I don't think
2: it's necessarily a very fitting comparison because, yes, Boris is a narcissist, but he's a calculating narcissist. So there's a fun fact about Boris Johnson. His name isn't Boris, for one thing. It's Alexander Boris de Johnson. But Boris is a better fit for the kind of bumbling character he wants people to see him as, because that's the persona that he uses in order to distract people from the fact that he's a calculating and malevolent force. Um, Oh, by the way, an even more fun fact about Boris, we don't know how many children he has, genuinely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's got four children from one of his wives, and then he either has one or two love children from affairs that he had during his marriage, and he won't confirm how many kids he has. If you go to Boris Johnson's Wikipedia page, genuinely try it. Under children, it says five or six and has a citation that's, that's really, you know you think it's bad that trump won't confirm how much tax he's paid johnson won't even confirm how many children he's fathered uh, well let's let's be honest neither will trump yeah. <laughs> well well yeah but i'm surprised trump hasn't taken a leaf out of boris's book and just like outright denied that he's tiffany's father
0: just her right <laughs> off the books
2: um so so Boris has wanted to be the P- the prime minister all along and and he genuinely said the reason for that is he wants to be remembered he once said that he was in he was a journalist and when he left journalism for politics he said he did so because nobody makes statues of journalists uh, and he also left journalism because he kept being fired for lying and making up quotes. Well, that too, yeah. Um, yeah. he was fired, he was foreign secretary only last year. He was foreign secretary, you know, the, the, the third most powerful, fourth most powerful position in the country. And he was fired from that partly after he, he failed to read some briefing notes while talking about the case of, uh, Zaghari Ratcliffe, a UK citizen who sh- she's currently in prison in Iran. She was wrongly arrested, this, uh, UK citizen, while she was in Iran. She was wrongly arrested while she was on holiday. But Boris Johnson in a meeting, uh, said that she was Fired as she was arrested because she was in Iran teaching journalism, and so Iran increased her sentence and tried her as a spy. He, in his mission to try and free her, he got her sentence extended and he got fired and
1: then fucking promoted. And then yeah, wow. Well, okay. I just first of all, I want to point out nobody make statues of people with hair like that regardless of their (laughs) profession. But you're telling me that's on purpose. Like, that, that, that hair is just a ruse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he even,
2: before the cameras roll, he messes his hair up deliberately. The oversized suit, the the scruffy demeanour, uh-huh. it's all a calculated plan. It's all something he's wow. doing very specifically to or in order for you to, to essentially say, well, look at him, he's such a joker, but he's in this position. Maybe he's a bit of a lad, maybe he's a lovely old fella after all. You know, Isn't he so funny? And he's not funny, he's doing it to distract you from what he actually wants to do, what he, who he actually wants to be, and how he actually wants to seize power. And so when trump does those kinds of crazy things it's because he's a a narcissist who is completely detached from the world uh, and has no understanding of the world and understanding of what he's doing in the majority of the times that he's he's acting i think but with boris Mm -hmm. he knows what he's doing and he's doing it anyway and i think that makes him way more malevolent even
1: Yeah, no, like, say what you will about our president, but when he does, uh, you know, when he walks up to Air Force One with toilet paper hanging off his shoe, he does it genuinely. He's not doing it ironically. Um, Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Whereas Boris Johnson absolutely would have done that on purpose. I'm surprised he hasn't.
1: Alright, so, okay, so, going back to the prorogation uh, thing, is is this a done deal? Because I keep seeing different stories about how Scotland's going to try to stop it, or Parliament's going to try to stop it, is this going to, like, go forward no matter what now, or... you know, it's just,
2: it's really hard to say, so technically parliament is suspended as of uh, next week as of of the the week coming Um, but there are some moves to try and overturn it we've had some MPs like David Lammy uh, he's part of a group of ministers threatening to hold their own parliamentary meetings outside of the Palace of Westminster to get around uh, the fact that they can't meet in the Palace of Westminster to have kind of a people's parliament he's kind of calling it you've had Clive Lewis MP who's threatened to stage a sit-in occupation of parliament saying the police would have to drag him out of the chamber Uh, and then there's a legal challenge to the suspension that's heard in court uh, in Scotland this week and that failed but there's another one that's. It's currently underway, and it's being led by Gina Miller and by former Prime Minister Sir
1: John Major. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm about to get to all the what happens post-Brexit type questions, so I think our hmm. guest might need a little time to do some deep breathing, get a glass of water. Some heroin. Down yeah. it real quick. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Some intravenous scotch, whatever. So while he does that, we're going to take a quick break for our word from our second sponsor this week, The Great Courses. You know, one of the worst things about the conspiracy nuts and woo merchants is the way that they take really interesting subjects and poison them with misinformation. Like, like what if you actually want to learn about the Illuminati or the Knights Templar, but you don't want to read about how they're secretly controlling Walgreens and communicating through corporate logos? But they are. Well, luckily for us, our friends over at The Great Courses Plus heard our cries, which is why we're excited to tell you about one of their newest offerings, The Real History of Secret Societies. It sorts reality from myth and takes a deep dive into the brotherhoods, orders, and cults that have played covert but often major roles throughout history. So the Kardashian it's a fascinating journey that separates the fact from the myth, dives into the colorful and often insane characters that people these groups, and it also turned me on to a couple of societies so secret... I'd never heard of them. get a lot of tinfoil for that. And the best part is, Secret Societies is just one of hundreds of in-depth lecture series that you can watch or listen to from The Great Courses Plus. I've been addicted to their service for years, and I still have a mile-long list of stuff I have to listen to. You can truly explore any topic that interests you, and you can trust The Great Courses Plus to make sure you're learning from one of the world's best professors in the field. I know the secrets behind you So... And I know these are just marketing words, but I genuinely mean them. Don't miss out. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today, and for a limited time, our listeners will get a full month of unlimited access for free. There's no reason not to give it a try. To get your free month, just go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com
0: slash skeptocrat. Did did you edit out all my warnings about the Illuminati? Nope. Are you sure? Because you were... You were talking like I hadn't said anything. You didn't yep. respond to the. Sure was. Cause they are.
1: And we're back, and I want to expand our scope a bit here and talk about Brexit itself.
0: Yeah. Marsh, what instrument will you play as London burns? (laughs) There
2: you go. That's a good start. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, I wish the only downside to Brexit was London burning. I take it. I'm from the north. I take that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, serious question here, and I apologize for asking you to lay down such basic structure here, but every time I see a headline about Brexit that one might call predictive. It's something along the lines of UK faces shortage of flu vaccines and outbreak. So I understand a lot of things that the UK has given up by going through this Brexit thing. Remind me what they're getting for it. Yeah,
2: well, that's the thing. That's the big fucking irony here, right? The main promise from the Leave campaign was we'd be able to take back control and we'd get political sovereignty and control over our own laws. And now what that looks like is a prime minister who hasn't won an election suspending parliament in order to push something through that nobody in the country wants and that the majority of MPs have already voted against. That is the idea of parliamentary sovereignty that we have taken back. That's the control that we've got. And Uh the thing about all of this is we already had... Obviously, we already had parliamentary sovereignty. We already had that. And that's not just me saying that. In February 2017, the the, the UK government published a white paper on Brexit to talk about the implications of Brexit. And it specifically said in that white paper, quote, whilst Parliament has remained sovereign throughout our membership of the EU, it has not always felt like that. So we're leaving the EU (laughs) with no deal, no plan, and now no access to democracy because of some people's feelings some people felt not sovereign enough <laughs> that and that was that's in why their are on white fire.
0: paper <laughs> Yeah, wow! Yeah. They and talked about their feelings? Britain yeah. and the EU at brunch. You seem mad. Are you mad? No? <laughs> it's because no. they had to address. They couldn't not mention
2: the parliamentary sovereignty thing because it was such a big talking point in the referendum, but they couldn't outright lie in the white paper and say we never had it. So they had to kind right. of square those two things off. Obviously, there were other promises. You know, People were very famously told that the, the money we spend on the EU could be spent on the NHS. Though, crucially, not that it Would be spent On the NHS It was was just an idea You know A serving suggestion Nothing more than that (laughs) (laughs) They're told that uh, Turkey would be Joining the EU imminently Even though that wasn't Even remotely possible Given their human rights record Uh, They were told that So yeah People were told Yeah The political system in the UK Isn't working for the little guy So you should bloody The the noses of the elites By showing them what for And that move Was basically like A bit in in an old Tom and Jerry cartoon Where Jerry takes Tom's tail And puts it in a hot dog bun And then gives it to Tom (laughs) and tom takes a massive bite out of it that's
1: that's what happened that's what they were promised it's amazing how many cartoon analogies are required to talk about (laughs) british politics these days right all right but but okay so here's the thing it's been what it was june of 2016 when you guys did the the brexit referendum right and you really haven't had it i mean like because you didn't vote for a no deal brexit you voted for like is this still what, if you, if you wind up with the no-deal Brexit on October 31st, is this still what the people of your country signed on to? Uh, not remotely,
2: not remotely. And if, if the uh, the government basically knows that's the case, which is one of the reasons they're not asking people to, to, to vote to clarify or to, to vote to confirm this, they know that if they ask people again what they want, they will not get the same answer. Now that we can see that the many things that were said uh, have just turned out to not be true. You know, we were told all along, though, that, no, the idea of a no-deal Brexit was just scaremongering. You know, it couldn't ever, ever happen because, as they said, the EU needs us more than we need them. That was said so many times during mm. the referendum. You know, Key Lee figures pointed out that uh, a deal with the EU would be, quote, the easiest deal in history. They said we'd have dozens of trade deals in place within weeks. They said we hold all the, all the cards. They said the EU can't afford to see us go. Do You really think Germany would say goodbye to all the sales of German cars they get in the UK? Absolutely not. They talked that, that there'd be a, a Brexit dividend, the money we'd make from Brexit, how much richer we'd all be due to, due, uh, due to Brexit. And then as the years have gone on, Brexit has gone from that to meaning, well, we need to lead the single market, obviously. And now it means leaving the customs union. And then it meant leaving major science initiatives like Euroatom and Horizon. And then it meant a hard Brexit. And now they're selling people the idea that we actually wanted no deal all along, that no deal will be absolutely fine, but no deal won't be fine. Because we're a fucking island. We get stuff from overseas. Yeah. Things don't grow in the UK. We don't get anything. So that's why we have these, the, 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 the latest look at what uh, the, the government was kind of outraged recently when uh, the, the, I think it was the Treasury uh, leaked, or it was leaked from the Treasury, the assessment of what's going to happen under a No Deal Brexit. And uh, part of the issue is there's going to be major shortages. And part of the short- the reason for shortages is that, you know, we've got this channel tunnel connecting us to France. And we just get so much through there in HGVs, lorries, kind of, trucks coming in, bringing everything. And they said, at the moment, you, those trucks can roll straight into the UK because they've come from part of the same customs block. So they assume right. that anything that's made within this customs block, whether it's in Span- uh, France or Spain or Italy, it was made within the customs block. It must be subject to the rules of that block. And therefore, when it rolls in the UK, we're, in the, we're under the same rules. So you don't need to check it again. If we're no longer in the same set of rules, you need to check each of those trucks on the way in. And even if you only spend a couple of minutes checking those trucks, there are thousands of trucks that come every day. And so they reckon if they start checking those trucks at the border, there's going to be a delay of up to two and a half days at the Channel Tunnel. And, and then we have the massive problem of, of, of Ireland as well which we as a country have not addressed at all it didn't come up at all in the referendum uh, when it really shouldn't because it's a major issue because you have the Republic of Ireland which is obviously still going to be in the EU and you have Northern Ireland which is in the, e- in the UK and therefore will be out of the EU and you've got the bit between the North of Ireland and the, and the Republic of Ireland that isn't a border but is a border and at the moment thousands of people cross it every day in, in hundreds of different places you can just drive across the road and it's a totally frictional Border because we're all in the same agreement, but the second that you uh, you take the north of uh, Ireland out of the EU and out of that customs agreement, and the Republic is obviously staying in, you now have to check every single thing that goes from the Republic to the north and back again, and it's there are literally hundreds of crossings. Some of those crossings are country roads where one half of the road is in the Republic of Ireland and the other half of the road is in Northern Ireland, and famously that whole area gets a bit tense when you start uh, yeah, imposing right. borders yeah, and, so, exactly. and so one of the ways that uh, politicians have dealt with that some have said well you know we'll let them return to. we'll just put, put police on the on the border as we did during the Troubles and it's like yeah you know we had police on the border and we had the Troubles and yeah, those two right. things were not a fucking coincidence um, But you have other people saying, well, you know, there won't really be a border there because we aren't going to put up a border and the EU won't want to put up a border and cause all that uh, peace to go away. They're not going to cause uh, unrest in Northern Ireland by putting their own border up. So as long as we aren't going to put a border up, the EU won't and therefore there won't be a border. And that's missing the fact that we're the fucking reason they will need a border. You know, it's it's the equivalent of breaking into someone's house and then when they catch you, you say to them... Well, I'm not going to call the police. So if the police do turn up, it must be your fault. You must be to the blame if the police get here. All
1: right. So one of the most terrifying things I'm seeing in the news here, especially, you know, with regards to a no deal Britain or a Brexit, rather, is that um, no one is remotely prepared for this shit. No, no. Right. No. Like, not, just, not just that the government isn't prepared, but the people themselves don't even believe that it's coming. No, and the thing is, it's really hard to be prepared for something that the government hasn't
2: been honest about and hasn't even Mm -hmm. told you what direction we're heading. So even up until, what, a couple of months ago, we were told, well, the chances of a no-deal Brexit are very remote. We will definitely get a deal through. It's all going to be absolutely fine. The government has had, what, three years, plus three and a half years to plan this. Um, Literally, in July this year, they posted job adverts for the Department of Exiting the EU in order to get more staff in there to plan exiting the EU. That was in July. Now, a friend of mine pointed out, if you imagine it might take three or four weeks for you to find the right candidate, and if the right candidate already has a job and needs to serve, say, three months' notice at their current job, they'll be starting their job on November the 1st, yeah. just <laughs> after we leave the EU. <laughs> There's, there are voluntary, uh, parts of, the, parts of the civil service have been asked to volunteer in the planning for Brexit, um, in, in the planning for a no deal Brexit, and those voluntary positions haven't even started yet. They, they, they are what? just in no way prepared for this. And the most that they are trying to do is spend £100 million pounds putting out a, a propaganda campaign saying, get ready for Brexit. you know. And, and I oh. can only assume they've gone with the slogan, get ready, because they've been sued by an airline company if they'd went for their original choice of brace brace, which is what they would have, <laughs> would have <lost laughs> gone
0: for.
1: All right, so I, I, I'm not going to ask you for, for predictions here. Okay, I'm going to ask you for predictions here. What the hell <laughs> happens on November 1st? So,
2: first of all, I know that between now and then, there's going to be a massive amount of unrest and upheaval, right? Because since Johnson suspended Parliament like a week ago, there's been protests and rallies across Mm -hmm. the country. And that's only going to get worse as the days and weeks go on. And bear in mind, this is Britain. We don't do mass political protests and demonstrations. We leave that to the French. We don't do that kind of thing. So we're not used to it and we're not good at it. Um, and the thing is, even people who are sympathetic to leaving the EU have been pretty appalled by Johnson suspending Parliament to force through this no deal Brexit. And ironically, he might have done more to unite leavers and remainers than anyone else has done in the last three years for, for that reason. It's really, really hard to say. And why it's particularly hard to say what's going to happen, and a and, and big part of the problem here is that Brexit has been a, a total case study in the effect of delayed consequences. That's what this thing has been all about. And and to to use an analogy, if you imagine like when you drop an uh, an atomic bomb on a city, right? If that atomic bomb isn't time to go off just before it hits the ground, but it's actually time to go off three years after it hits the ground, you know, people (laughs) might think, shit, a bomb just dropped. Oh, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, it made a really loud noise and my windows shook and it knocked some stuff off the table. But actually, it turns out being bombed with an atomic bomb isn't that bad. You know, all the people who warned <laughs> that atomic bomb-, bomb would be catastrophic, they must have been lying and scaremongering. They must have had some skin in the game because being bombed was fine. And then you'd have people pointing at the bomb and saying, no, the bomb just hasn't exploded. And people say, no, it's fine, you're scaremongering. Like, you point at the bomb and say, like, can you hear that massively loud ticking sound? It's definitely going to explode. Say, no, you're scaremongering. And you have people saying, no... The bomb has a timer on the side counting down until the 31st of October 2019. (laughs) It is going to blow up. But the problem is the first people will be saying, well, you were wrong about how bad it was, how bad it would be when the bomb landed. So why should we believe you right. about how, how, how bad it will be on October 31st? And that is the problem that we have. All of the effects of Brexit are still to come. And so people have had three years of dealing with the planning of Brexit and seeing nothing happen. And I'm really fucking scared that people won't put two and two together and realise that what happens November 1st and onwards, if we leave with no deal, is going to be the things we've been scared about the entire time. So wow. it really depends on how how quickly people wake up to what the consequences are, whether we have it, whether we even have time left by that point to do anything about it. You know, we might get enough of a coal- coalition from Labour and Lib Dem and the SNP and s- whichever disillusioned Tories are willing to uh, grow a, a backbone and stand up for the the country and not their party, and then enact some laws in the few days that Parliament actually has left. You know, around the suspension, but even then shockingly, this morning, uh, senior government officials, uh, senior government ministers, in fact, refused to say whether they would abide by any laws that were passed anyway. So if Parliament did manage to pass laws to say there should be no deal Brexit, the government haven't even even said we'd abide by those laws, which is fucking terrifying. We have a government who's literally saying we may ignore the law if we don't like it. There's definitely a general election coming soon. There's definitely one of those coming. But it's really hard to say when. And and this could be a real kicker, if it comes too close to October 31st, one of the things you do during an election campaign is you dissolve Parliament, so there are Mm -hmm. no MPs anymore. And if you do that the week before the 31st, there are no MPs left to stop us leaving by default. So literally any fucking thing could happen from now.
1: Wow. All right, well, I I appreciate you helping us get a a handle on where things stand now. Um, If you need a place to to vent, you're always welcome here. If you need a country... (laughs) You know what? You don't want ours. Yeah, uh, don't. We, 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 we can smuggle you into Canada from here, though. You can get here. Lovely. We can get you to through. Canada. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Newark flies everywhere. Oh, yeah. I, well, I'll tell you what. I I'd, I'd love to talk to you again uh, when when the bomb goes off. Um, and of course, for the uh, listeners at home, if you're not already familiar with Marsh's work, be che- sure to check the show notes, where you're going to find a whole bunch of links to a whole bunch of the stuff he does. Marsh, thanks again for your time, man. Uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. And that's going to do it for episode 104. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. Thanks to Michael Marshall. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our please-can-we-have-some-money-now business model to be oddly charming, you can feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat, just like the fine folks who did that since the last episode, who Heath will... Thank my name on the next episode. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Skating Atheist, God-awful Movies and Citation Data, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Deep Web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that pianist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars, the band slash guy. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Or, to Eli's credit, Googling the only guy called evil giraffes on Mars. Both Googlings (laughs) take you to the same results. You decide. And until next time, catchphrase sign-off. Three, four. four...
0: Five. I forgot the four.
1: You did forget four. Let's try that one more time with feeling. <laughs> I was really ready for the five, though. Yeah, no, you were. You were dead I on, the five. on the five. I did feel the five. Yeah, my enthusiasm. Right. He does. Me. He does need two, though. So, the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC, copyright 2018. All rights reserved.